Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 63, part one of Mary Burns' teaching on Mercy, God's Greatest Attribute. And before I begin, and Father Bill Keogh, whom you've had here the last time I was here, I was talking to him the other day and he asked me before I started to speak, would I give my, his love to everybody? So Father Bill sends his love to you. Um, what I'm going to speak about today is something that the Lord has really put on my heart and I've been speaking about it a little bit in the past months and that is God's mercy. And when I was listening to Steve a few moments ago, it was so touching and the mercy of God was so evident in his story. I just thought it was really, really beautiful. One of the reasons, well, not a reason, but I was speaking about mercy up in Armagh last year. And um, on my way home, it was a Sunday afternoon, and on the way home, the sun was shining, and it was a beautiful day, and I had a friend from the prayer group in the car with me, and this joy started bubbling up inside me, and I thought, oh, it's just probably because of the day, and because we've had a lovely day up in Armagh and all the rest of it, but it was a different kind of joy. And then more recently, I was in Limerick on another Sunday afternoon, and they had asked me to speak about the mercy of God, and I did. And on the way home, suddenly that same joy started to bubble away inside. And I thought, gosh, I recognize that. And I thought to myself, maybe it's me being fanciful, but I thought to myself that it was because God is so delighted when people know of his mercy you know, that they really know that he's so full of love and mercy. So I want, as I usually do, to start by telling you a story that I just heard very, very recently uh, from Sister Breege McKenna. And it just shows you how the mercy of God can reach out to touch somebody, you know. She said she has a friend who is a priest, a young priest. He had been about five years ordained in the States and he was living at one side of the country and his home place was in LA, I think it was. And his parents and family rang him from LA to say that there was a cousin dying in the hospital there. And would he come, even though it was a really long journey? Of course he came. When he arrived at the hospital, he had his priest's collar on and there was a little elderly nun standing at the door of the hospital. And she said to him, oh, I'm so glad to see you. And he looked at her and he thought, she's mistaken me for somebody else because I don't know her at all. And she said, I'll tell you why I'm so glad to see you. I know you've come to see somebody, but I want you to visit a man in Ward 4 because he's so full of anger and um, upset and depression, mostly anger. And every priest that goes into him, he, he shouts at them. He tells them to get out. He doesn't want anything to do with the church. And he carries on so much that they always back down and they leave. So she said to him, I want you to stay. No matter what he says, you stay because he hasn't got long to live. 
So um, he went to Ward 4 to see this man, and the man, as expected, started to shout at him and said to him, how dare you come in here? I don't want to see you. And um, the priest said to him, you know Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. And he really uh, let fly at the priest, and he kept ranting and raving, but the priest did as the nun said, and he stood his ground. And eventually, the guy told him his story. And what his story was, was that when he was young, he had got into all kinds of stuff, drugs and drink and all the rest of it. He was a very angry young person as well. And he was the guy who um, moves the tracks, I don't know what you call it, for trains coming into the station, the signal. And um, he said one day, he was due to bring a train in and he fell asleep because he'd been drinking the night before and the train crashed and he said, I murdered a whole family, mother, father and three children. And the priest suddenly had a stunned look on his face and he said to him, was that in 1976? And the guy sat up and he said, how do you know that? And the priest said, well, actually... He said, that was my mother, my father, and my three brothers. He said, I was a six-year-old in school at that time, so they didn't bring me. And he said, I never actually knew until that moment um, what had actually happened, you know, in the accident. And I thought to myself, isn't God amazing that he would bring these two together? That guy died the very next day. But part of the story is that the little nun who was at the door to greet him, she really had a great devotion to the mercy of God. She would say the Divine Mercy Chaplet over and over, and she would speak and talk to the patients about God's mercy and how it just enfolds them. And she had been praying that uh, prayer of mercy for that guy every day since she had met him. And God had brought this priest from the other ends of the country to see him. The mercy of God is absolutely amazing. And just as love is God's very nature, mercy is God's very nature too. Mercy, and you'll see it from the story I just told you, mercy is the great weaver which collects and gathers all the scattered and hurt and torn parts of our lives and weaves them into a tapestry of divine love, like bringing those two together from different backgrounds, you know, just weaving it into a tapestry of divine love. Thomas Merton says, mercy is a fierce, bonding love. It's not about pity. It's about passion, the passion that God has for us, that love, that passion. It is literally, um, mercy is really literally just drawing everything together just as the divine weaver brings all those pieces together, you know. Um, it's literally a force that holds everything in existence. It's the gravitational field in which we live and move and have our being. And I think there's a power and a radiance about God's mercy, you know? Mercy reaches out and lifts us up. It's all forgiving and completely unrestricted just reaches out for us and it imposes no demands at all. 
In the Old Testament, I suppose the quality that's most consistently ascribed to God is mercy. You might say it's the dominant trait in his personality, this mercy of God. And both Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine say it's the greatest attribute of God. And I always think, you know, God is a God who comes after us. You know, no matter how we fall, how we fail, how we fail to listen and change and follow him, God still comes after us. There's almost a relentless quality about God's mercy. There's no escape from divine mercy. And it reminds me always of the Francis Thompson uh, poem, The The Hound of Heaven. You know where it starts and says, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And then the poem goes on to say that no matter how he runs, the footsteps keep following with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace. God's not going to let us go. He's going to come after us. His mercy is always reaching out to us. And in the, um, the Jews had many, many uh, words, strangely enough, in a sparse economic language. They had many words for mercy, and there are a few of them that I really love. And one is hesed, and it is a faithfulness as well. There's a real depth of meaning to this word. It's a strong, faithful mercy. There's a profound goodness implied in it. It's mercy that isn't merited. It's poured out pure, free, unmerited grace and gift on us. There's another one which I like as well, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly, rachamin, which is the Greek word for womb. It's that instinctive love that a mother has for a child, that no matter what the child has done, you know, they're going to come after and try and rescue them from the situation. And um, a story that I sometimes like to tell, years ago, it wasn't long after I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, which was back in the 80s, and I was going to Dublin in the bus with my son. I was bringing him up to the orthodontist. And at that time, I used to say, have I got written on my forehead, tell me your story, because people used to do that. A lady sat in next to me, and she started to tell me her story. And she was coming from Sligo, And she said she was going to visit her son who was in Mount Joy. And um, she went on to tell me that none of the rest of the family went to visit him because he had been involved in the murder of his own father. But she went up every week to visit him. And then she started to say to me, he's so good, you know. He knew it was my birthday today and he wrote to me to tell me he has made me something in the craft class and she couldn't praise him enough. And I just said to her, you know, it's a long journey by bus from Sligo up. And I said to her, aren't you very good to go up and see him every week? And she looked at me and she said, sure isn't he still my son? You know, and that's the sort, I always think of God, that mercy that never lets go of us, just the mercy that looks at us and we're just enthralled by it, really. 
And another word is tzedakah. And it's like God is saying, I will be merciful to you because of my holy name. It's who I am. It's what I do. I am mercy, you know. And, um, you know, right from the beginning of scripture, we see that God is merciful. We see, you know, when his people are enslaved in Egypt, God says, I have seen their humiliation. I have seen their suffering. I have heard their cry. And I have come down to free them and take them out of a land, of that particular land, into a land flowing, a spacious land, flowing with milk and honey. God is so merciful. And I love the story that I read of a Sufi mystic who said that God says this, that if somebody comes towards God, one span that God says, I will approach them one cubit. And if they come to me a cubit, I will come running to them a fathom. And if a person comes walking towards me, I will go running towards them. And if they come to me with all the sins in the world, I will meet them with forgiveness even greater than that. Our God is just an amazing God. And um, I was thinking yesterday when they played Amazing Grace, that's what it really is. It's all pure, free grace and gift. And that, by the way, is my favorite song as well, Father Pat, Amazing Grace. At the beginning of the New Testament too, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see that he tells us, he lays out his program for mercy, really. When he stands in the synagogue in um, Nazareth, he says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring the good news to the poor, to set the captive free, to give sight to the blind, etc. It's a program of care and compassion and mercy. And you know, when John the Baptist sends a message to him from jail to say, you know, are you the one that is to come or should we wait for another? He says to the disciples, go back and tell him, what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind see again, the lame walk, the poor have the good news preached to them and the dead are raised to life. His program of, of mercy. It is just so, so beautiful. When Steve was talking earlier, which it just touched me so much I didn't think I'd be able to get up and, and speak. He was so good, it was wonderful. I began to think of something that came to mind for me just recently. I um, decided to myself, I was up in Dublin, and I don't think we have many homeless people around where I live or anything. And I was praying and I was saying, what can I do? And I got this notion, whether it was me or the Holy Spirit, I don't know, that I would go up to Dublin every so often and that I would walk down from um, Henry Street, which leads the whole way down through O'Connell Street and down to where I would get the train home. And it always used to hurt me when I would pass people on the street and people being very good would give them something. But I thought, if that was my son 
wouldn't I just love if somebody could stop and speak to them? So I put money in my pocket to have it handy and I decided that I would stop and talk to everybody I met. And on the way down Henry Street, I met several people who were so interesting. But there was a girl lying on the ground. She had no shoes on her feet and she was shaking and she had her head covered and she was holding out a plastic cup. So I stopped and I said hello to her and she looked up and she said, I'm hooked on heroin and my father died from the same thing. And um, she caught hold of my hand and she said, sit down here near me. So I squatted down on the street near her and I began to talk to her and my heart just went out to her, you know. I just, I thought, I wish I had the power to say and after Father Pat's talk this morning, maybe I'll think differently. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be set free. And I met several other people on the way down, uh, young people, you know. There was a guy from Poland, I forget, he told me his name and I forget it now. And he wasn't long over in Ireland and he was still looking very healthy and he had a sign up saying that he wanted money for a place to go and sleep for the night but I didn't think it was that I thought maybe he was into drugs but I thought he's only at the beginning and he seems to be you know out there on the street with nobody and just as I came to Connolly station to get my train and this really got me. I probably cried as far as Mullingar on the way down. Um, there was a girl, she was very thin and slight and she had her head down and the cup out like that and she was standing and I stopped and I said hello to her and she just looked around at me and suddenly there was just something in her eyes like somebody is talking to me, somebody's making contact. There was like a smile and a hope or something. And I absolutely, absolutely knew I was looking into the eyes of Jesus. I just knew it. And when I got on the train, I thought, oh, you know. So they're being well prayed for. But Jesus, as I say, is called rich in mercy in the New Testament. And... Um, you know, Luke's gospel, I suppose, is the gospel of mercy, really. And, you know, in the prodigal son, um, Jesus tells this story. And what I love is that the father really has a reckless love and mercy towards his son. Because literally, he doesn't reckon his sin against him. He doesn't even ask for anything back, you know. And I love the one too where, you know, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes out looking for the one sheep. And that reminds me of a story that Francis Hogan tells. Um, I suppose we all know wonderful stories of God's mercy. But this really touches me that um, she went to visit a guy in high security prison in the States that she had heard was a real mystic and such a holy man and when she went to see him he told her the story of how he changed and she said when did the change come about and he said when I admitted who I was and she said what was that well he said I said that I was a murderer and a destroyer of young families and he said the minute I admitted it Jesus was there he was there in front of me and he said there was no pressure. I had complete free will. I could choose him 
or not, and I chose him. And the other prisoners, according to Francis, used to come to his cell for his wisdom. You know, nothing is beyond, nobody, no situation is beyond the mercy of God. And my favorite one, I suppose, is the Good Samaritan. I just love this story. And again, this day last week, it reminds me of something that happened to me this day last week. I was in Dublin again, and there was one young guy of about 16 lying on the side of the street, and I was going up to Marks and Spencer's, and he looked like he was asleep, and I thought, I'll stop and talk on the way down. And when I came down, he was still asleep, and he had the old mug on the ground near him. And I said hello, but he didn't move. He really reminded me of the guy that was mugged on the road to Jericho, just lying there, you know. And I said hello to him again, but there was no reply. And I put something in the cup, and then I pushed it in near him because I thought, somebody will come and take it, and when he wakes up, you know, there'll be nothing there. But in this story of the Good Samaritan, you know, um, like the Good Samaritan stops when the other two pass by. Jesus will always stop. He'll always stop. And, um, you know, he pours out oil and wine into the wounds of the man lying there. And that would have been temple worship language where oil and wine would have been poured on the altar of the temple. And Jesus is saying something so deep and important here that the good Samaritan was pouring the oil and wine not on the altar of the temple, but on the altar of a dying man's life and wounds. And he's telling us at the end of that, now go you and do likewise. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey to maximise your potential to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose, and joy. So God bless and stay safe.